Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Do a couple more episodes on Simon Greenleaf and a few others in the relationship between law and faith. Take one of our little walks. A little chilly, which is nice. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are whatever part of the day you're in, I sure do appreciate you joining me. And for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, for those of y'all that have joined over on Patreon, excuse me, and are financially supporting the podcast, I'm incredibly grateful for that, for your time. So, thank you. Lord, thank you for time to record the podcast, the people that listen to it, share it, be with them and their families, and us as a nation, forgive us our sins, individually and as a nation, draw us closer to you, help us to do your will, whatever that is, in your son's name we pray. And so... We'll get back into this. Oh, one kitty cat so far. Yes. Our youngest. <laughs> Let me see. Where were we? So. Oh, and there's a puppy dog. Three-legged wolf has come out as well. This is from Simon Greenleaf. Just a little real quick recap. He was one of our really preeminent early lawyers and succeeded Joseph Story, one of the people really credited with the rise of Harvard Law School. And wrote a treatise on the law of evidence so somebody early on that knew a lot about our law this is a work entitled examination of the testimony of the four evangelists by the rules of evidence administered in courts of justice with an account of the trial of jesus Simon Greenleaf stated, the character they portrayed is perfect. It is the character <coughs> of a sinless being, one supremely wise and supremely good. The doctrines and precepts of Jesus are in strict accordance with the attributes of God, agreeable to the most exalted ideas which we can form of them from reason or revelation. They are strictly adapted to the capacities of mankind and yet are delivered with a simplicity wholly divine. He spake as never man spake. He spake with authority, yet addressed himself to the reason and understanding of men. And he spake with wisdom, which men could neither gainsay nor resist. So I read these yesterday and today just to kind of give you a background of on the guy, his faith and his opinions of the faith. And so we're going to read a, just 
kind of keep going through. The religion of Jesus Christ aims at nothing less than the utter overthrow of all other systems of religion in the world, denouncing them as inadequate to the wants of man, false in their foundations and dangerous in their tendency. It not only solicits the grave attention of all to whom its doctrines are presented, but it demands their cordial belief as a matter of vital concernment. These are no ordinary claims, and it seems hardly possible for a rational being to regard them with even a subdued interest, much less to treat them with mere indifference and contempt. If not true, they are little else than the pretensions of a bold impostor, which, not satisfied with having already enslaved millions of the human race, seeks to continue its encroachments upon human liberty until all nations shall be subjugated under its iron rule. But if they are well-founded and just, they can be no less than the high requirements of heaven addressed by the voice of God to the reason and understanding of man concerning things deeply affecting his relations to his sovereign and essential to the formation of his character in the course of his destiny, both for this life and for the life to come. So you get this idea that these people involved early on in our lawmaking and the setup of our systems had a really deep faith in God and Jesus Christ and understood that it was the one true faith because God was the only true God, the Father of Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's important to have that understanding of these opinions of, of just the over overwhelming majority at our founding, particularly the people involved in law because it shows so blatantly and clearly that the idea of separation of church and state whereby we're told today that our founders intended this to be a completely secular nation and you could go off and practice your religion in a closet somewhere but it had no role in public life or institutions and even the the ideas that we hear from from people we consider pretty conservative and, and pretty decent leaders over the past, say, 50 years plus, give or take, they bought into this because the Supreme Court said it, and so it must be true. Well, what, what we've done, whether we realize it or not, is we've taken the position of God and given it to men in the state, whether it's the Supreme Court or the government in general. And that was not the position of our founders and, and really wasn't the position of our leaders until recently. And so this, you know, you look at one of these, like Simon Greenleaf, you look at how important Notable he was in the development of law and in the rise of what used to be one of our really preeminent schools 
in law, Harvard, and you, you see his faith, and you look at Joseph's story in this case also, and you, you see that the similarities there. You look at members that were on the Supreme Court and their similar comments. You go back, for example, you see from Chief Justice Fuller of the Supreme Court, he is the highest authority in our courts talking about Simon Greenlee. And so this idea that there's no relationship in the United States between law and Christianity is modern and completely untrue. And so there's a couple couple other quotes. And this comes to mind, although I don't have it, you know, but John Adams made the comment, and I think we're going to talk about him down the road on a couple of podcasts again. We haven't in a while, but, and I haven't used this quote in a while, but he said that the Constitution, our form of government, was made only for a moral and religious people. And it was wholly unfit for anybody else that, that if we didn't have this, that the Constitution would just break apart like a whale going through a net. And, and he was talking about Christianity, folks, absolutely. So you look at the quote I think we've talked about recently with President Zachary Taylor saying, you know, it's impossible to have a moral people without or a free government without a moral and religious people. It's impossible to have religion without morality and it's impossible to have religion or I'm sorry, it's impossible to have morality without religion and impossible to have religion without the Bible. And so you combine that with John Adams quote and it becomes quite apparent that it's just impossible to have America be free without God and Jesus Christ in the Bible. And so we'll go through some more quotes here. Let's see how we're doing on time. Oh, yeah. So we've read through these before, but we're just going to kind of tie these into the Simon Greenleaf, and we'll come back to them quite often. The Bible is the one supreme source of revelation of the meaning of life, the nature of God, and spiritual nature and needs of men. It is the only guide of life which really leads the spirit in the way of peace and salvation. America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelation of holy scriptures. Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> the strength of our country is the strength of its religious convictions. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the Republic. Where we have been the truest and most consistent in obeying its precepts, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. Franklin Roosevelt. The fundamental basis of this nation's laws was given to Moses on the Mount. 
the fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and St. Matthew, from Isaiah and St. Paul. If we don't have a proper fundamental moral background, we will finally end up with a totalitarian government which does not believe in rights for anybody except the state, Harry Truman. And so again and again, you see this connection of our founding and our government and our history and our law and our Constitution Bill of Rights to the Bible, to God and the teachings of Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other. That's what we've tried to do here. We've, it's, it's ironic in a, in a way, a little bit, we've, on the one hand, we've tried to completely separate two things that are inseparable, our faith and our government laws. And then on the other hand, we've tried to combine two things that are not combined together at all. And that is the idea that you can't have the, the, the question of freedom of religion and America being a Christian nation are one and the same and they're not they're two completely separate arguments you can we absolutely are a christian nation and have to have christianity at our foundation you can't force that christian faith onto anyone or force it away from anyone which is really more what we're trying to do today but the point is that 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 fact that we're a christian nation has nothing to do with freedom of religion except that you only get that freedom of religion from a Christian nation. You don't get it in a Muslim nation. You don't get it in a Hindu or Buddhist predominantly nation. You don't get it in a secular socialist communist nation. The only place where you get true freedom of religion, the ability to accept or reject God and Jesus Christ, is in a Christian nation, which is the great irony. Right, because what we've decided to do over the past 80 years, give or take, is to reject the very reason, source of our freedom and liberty. Just a couple things again about the, the law. And so just as a reminder, I, I try and throw this in pretty consistently throughout the year, most podcasts. Uh, Founder's Bible, the Patriot's Bible, and America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotes, all phenomenal resources. I use them heavily. Um, you can go in and look at those resources. I, I would recommend them in every home. You can buy them online. Uh, you can go to a bookstore and order them. And they absolutely, without doubt, should be required primary textbook in every single classroom in every subject across the country. So, uh, using both America's, actually using all three today. <laughs> so, John Locke was the third most cited political authority in the founding era. And he made this comment, the law of nature stands as an eternal rule to all men, legislators as well as others. The rules that they, legislators, make for other men's actions must be conformable 
to the laws of nature, i.e. to the will of God. Human laws must be made according to the general laws of nature and without contradiction to any positive law of Scripture. Otherwise, they are ill-made. And so, we've talked about before this what this laws of nature's God means. And it goes back to where the Declaration of Independence, laws of nature and of nature's God, it goes back to William Blackstone who was the second most quoted authority by the founders. And this is his commentary on laws of nature, the law of revelation. Man, considered as a creature, must necessarily be subject to the laws of his creator, for he is entirely a dependent being. And consequently, as man depends absolutely upon his maker for everything, it is necessary that he should, in all points, conform to his maker's will. This will of his maker is called the law of nature. This law of nature being coeval, coexistent with mankind and dictated by God himself is, of course, superior in obligation to any other. It is binding over all the globe in all countries and at all times. No human laws are of any validity contrary to this. The doctrines thus delivered we call the revealed of the divine law and they are to be found only in the holy scriptures upon these two foundations the law of nature and the law of revelation depend all human laws that is to say no human laws should be suffered to contradict these and so we've talked about that before but that just kind of ties into greenleaf and particularly the quote by truman but a couple of our presidential quotes and that this law in our country has to be uh, subservient to all the laws we make have to be in line with the will of God from the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. And, you know, often you, you talk about, you hear people or I'll get the comment, well, if they were so concerned about this being a Christian nation, why didn't, you know, they state it more explicitly in the Constitution? And, and they... When you look at the Bill of Rights, all of those are in line with the Bible. I mean, that's that's the foundation, just like President Truman said, right? You go back to his, and he talks about the fun, fundamental basis of our nation's laws was given to Moses on the Mount, the Ten Commandments. The fundamental basis for our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and Matthew, from Isaiah and St. Paul. So the Bible, right? And, and the other thing is, it really was explicit at that time. People knew when they were talking in the Declaration of Independence, for example, when they made the comment, the laws of nature and of nature's God in the Declaration, people understood that that was referring to God, the Father of Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They understood that, that that was a reference to the Bible. And so that was a explicit comment in the Declaration. So, we've got some more. I'm not sure we have enough for another whole podcast, so we may wrap it up there uh, for this time and then come back to some of this stuff off and on and move on to the next thing. But 
and, and we do keep coming back, folks, and that's why one of the terms that you'll hear in education today and other places is, is spiral back, right? And and in a way, that's that really is just such a phenomenal tool. Uh, in the Marine Corps, we really called it muscle memory. It's the reason you did, or we used to do, route memorization or rote memorization in the uh, multiplication tables, and literature for English. You memorize this stuff so that it became secondhand, so that you knew it. And today, we've got to get back to knowing these facts and tidbits about our history. Uh, little things like this, the fact that that line from the Declaration was a direct reference to God and the Bible and, and God's will in the Bible. So we'll come back to these things because it creates muscle memory. Sure to appreciate y'all joining me on the walk. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.